Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. Have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. We're going to be talking about mythical entities, so fairies, puckwudgies, you know, all of those gnomes, all those sorts of interesting mythological, fictional, well, are they fictional, though, uh, entities. You know, we'll be discussing that. Uh, what's the legend and lore? What's the truth of the matter? Some of my own experiences, maybe some of your experiences as well. So um, buckle in. It was a uh, interesting ride already earlier this evening with the uh, Shockfest Film Festival guys on edge of the rabbit hole. I know you guys are down in the channel saying that uh, you had a uh, absolutely great time. They were hilarious, all that. I highly encourage you guys to check them out. I had a uh, wonderful time last year with them in November and winning this award, of course. So, um, yeah, really, really great group of guys, and they put on a really good show. But this show here tonight, we are going to be talking about mythical entities. And real quick, this episode of Beyond the Shadows is brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps young ghosts. That's our coffee. You can find that out at hauntedroadmedia.com where of course all of our other merch and everything else is at as well you know like ghosty t-shirts all that great stuff out there hauntedroadmedia.com which is of course our parent channel haunted road media youtube channel this is edge of the rabbit hole channel so we run them both there we go all right guys so we're going to be talking about mythical entities if you haven't yet on the haunted road media youtube channel i did put out last night are fairies real? That was the latest video, Are Fairies Real? And I included some of my own personal experiences with what you could possibly call fairies. It's hard to know if that is exactly what they are. The problem with that is because of all that legend and lore that's on top of it. So what is real, what is not? Of course, these things that have shown up that I've seen, you know, there are different lights, and to me, it's like if fairies are real, then these are what they would look like. So let's get into it a little bit here. And uh, Quarantine Ghost down in the chat. I do want to thank Quarantine Ghost for haunting the chat. And they have put that link down in there, hauntedroadmedia.com slash merch. Absolutely appreciate that. So, all right. So let's get into it. So... This, of course, here is a artist representation of some fairy lights out in the forest. Very cool. Um, but what I do want to get into here um, a little bit when it comes to the legends and lore and where some of these things originate, you hear about, you know, like the fairy rings. And here's a representation. I know those on the podcast are not going to be able to, uh, to see this. So I'll do my best to describe to those listening to the podcast later on what this is. So this is the ring of mushrooms and people uh, will, you know, will point to these as fairy rings. And this is a, uh, a portal where they may enter our world or they'll go here to uh, charge up on energy. And this is really actually just a natural phenomenon of mushrooms. Now the mushroom is actually these particular mushrooms are actually the fruit of mycelium. This is what mycelium looks under the ground. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, a 
well, it's a fungus, right? It's a fungus that grows under the ground. And then the fruit is actually the mushroom that comes up to the top. And it has to do with the way um, it eats the nutrients in the ground as to why it shows up in that ring shape. So that's an actual very natural thing. Uh, the other place where these legends come from are the ring forts. And these are around Ireland. And basically what these were were you know, defensive forts that were constructed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago around the countryside. You know, you'd have little houses and, and what have you inside. The concentric circles uh, were used for protection. Well, over time, you know, these were abandoned. They, you know, became disheveled, run down, overgrown. They got buried within the dirt and then like you can see here in this photo, the trees grew up in those concentric circles. And because of that ring shape, of course, here come the fairy legends. And again, they're, you know, portals and, and what have you, according to the legends. Well, to me, there's always a grain of truth within these legends. At some point and somewhere, some point in time, somebody saw something. And we're not exactly sure what they saw. But whatever it was that they did see, they began to tell the story. And as they told their story and other people passed that story around, you know, it's word of mouth storytelling. So legend and lore and fiction got compounded on top of it. And one of the issues that I had, we're, we'll get into some of my experiences here real quick uh, or in a moment. Uh, one of the problems that I've, had in trying to research this topic after seeing things that I'd seen was that when you do that research that seems to be all you come across so you know I see these different things that could possibly be fairies I want to confirm that what I saw was a fairy so I want other people's accounts other sightings of these things that I saw but you get into the fairy lore. You get you get the fairy rings with the mushrooms. You get the ring forts. You get the um, you know the hierarchy. You know you, there's entire books dedicated to uh, an entire realm of fairies and their hierarchy and you know where they all reside within this particular realm or realms really and. My question has always been, okay, who sat down with a fairy and actually interviewed the fairy to determine or to find out uh, what their actual hierarchy is and uh, if some of these other beings are actually considered to be fairies, like you know, leprechauns, some people consider mermaids to be a type of fairy. Um, you know, really, really interesting stuff that is like, okay, that's legend and lore and fantasy, but that doesn't do me any good for trying to determine if what I saw is a fairy or maybe it's something else. So let's get into different things that uh, that I have seen here. So this photo, I've, I've shown this photo here before. So this was a photo taken by uh, by my ex and you guys are familiar with her. This is at the Campsville Locks in Campsville, Illinois. And we're just exploring. And so, you know, here I am by a creepy cool wall of the lock. And this thing comes 
whooshing in. Now, people will say, well, you know, it's a reflection of a bug off a flash, which it's not. Uh, on the fairy video that I posted on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel, that actually shows a reflection off a bug. This, you know, it had to be going exceedingly faster than the uh, shutter speed to show up like this. And you can see how it's it's almost in square shapes. You know, it's it's very, very different. You know, it's it's certainly not a bug. There's no flash used for this particular photo. So we just chalked it up to a we don't know. We weren't thinking fairies or anything like at the like that at the time. We did think, well, it could be something supernatural. Maybe it's a spirit around there. We, we don't know what it is. We kind of put it out of sight, out of mind for a while. And yeah, I see some of the comments down there. That's cool. That's bizarre. Uh, it's definitely an amazing photo, yes. Um, but we weren't thinking fairies or anything like that at the time. You know, and we did, of course, you know, consider the bug thing and try to debunk that and, and what have you, which it certainly wasn't. Um, and you can see the, the bug photo and all that on that uh on that video well it came to us later on that well maybe this was a fairy because of what we experienced on the goldenrod showboat in this showroom and those on the podcast i know you're not going to see this showroom but what happened this particular night with my ex, her friend Tara, and myself after the Ghost of the Golden Rod event that night. This was in November, so this was months after we had that photo at the locks because that was back in July. This was 2016. And so the three of us are there just kind of, you know, I mean, everything was wrapped up with the event. The three of us were just in there talking. I was standing the two girls were sitting down on the floor. And when I first saw something, it was this translucent yellow ball of light, and it kind of like dropped right between them. They didn't see it. They were kind of talking amongst themselves, so we were oblivious. But since I was standing, I was able to see it. Now, I did have a flashlight. It was pointed straight out toward the lobby area. And I'll show this again, this photo here. Straight out toward the lobby area, so that lighted area right in the middle of that photo is that lobby area now the boat was boarded up for the winter they had done that uh i want to say it was around halloween it was right at the end of october that they were doing that so all these openings on the side there uh on the left and right hand side that you can see where lights come in those were all boarded up there's no other way for light to come in other than of course where I was shooting my flashlight uh, straight out toward so this thing drops between them they don't see it and you know I kind of quickly say something but I'm like eh, it, it was it was quick and maybe I you know didn't necessarily see what I thought I saw okay because something happens quick like that and you have two other people there that didn't see it like, okay maybe not but then, right next to my ex, all of a sudden appeared this bar of light. It was about 
three inches long. At least when I went over to go take a look at it, it seemed to be about three inches long to me because I just walked around her. And I'm looking down and this bar of light like that. It was a little bit of a V-shape, very, very slight. And so I kind of start pointing and waving my hand, stuff like that, just try to see, okay, is there a beam of light coming from somewhere that I'm not understanding to make this? Well, my hand and finger aren't breaking a beam of light from anywhere, so it's down there on the floor. Then the thing starts wavering like this. Well, I mean, I'm fishtailing my hand, but, you know, it just, it started wavering and then was gone. It was like, okay, that was just strange and odd. And the girls are looking at me like, what in the world is he doing? So I try to explain it real quick. And as I'm explaining it, all of a sudden, around my ex, is this, that translucent ball of light again, just whoosh, right around her. And I'm like, whoa, there it goes. They didn't see it. Because <laughs> they're looking up at me while I'm trying to explain what the heck's going on with the bar of light that I had seen. And this thing whooshes around her. Still didn't see it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. But then finally, the thing is up in the air, kind of boing, boing, boing around the showroom. So if you can imagine, I'll bring the photo back up again, that balcony area, you, it was kind of like bouncing back and forth from one side to the other and back and forth and just kind of really all over the place. And we have a, uh, like a four minute audio clip because all of our cameras were done for the evening from the investigation earlier that night, the, the event. So all we have is an audio clip where we're talking about seeing it and kind of exclaiming and things like that. So finally they see it. They realize I'm not crazy and the thing is all over the place. And finally, last time I saw it, it swooped down between the two out into the lobby area and was gone. So after that evening, it's like, okay, that may have been a fairy. Um, Something that was interesting to me about it is it was transformative. It was a ball of light, translucent yellow ball of light. And then it was this bar of light on the ground. And then it was that translucent ball of light again. So here's what I think happened with this is that in its flying state, for lack of a better term, it's that ball of light. When, it's, when it was on the ground, it had its own light source. I believe it was some, something really, really, really small like that. And that little V shape was the light emanating from, I don't know if it's the back or front of it or whatever, you know, because to me it was just a bar of light on the ground. But if it was really, really, really tiny like that, emanating its own light, okay, there it is. And then that waving like that, wings maybe? You know, I couldn't see wings, of course, because it's, you know, it was so small, but was that waving wings as it took back off into the air? And then when it was flying again, it was that translucent yellow ball of light. So that's what got us on the track of, was this a fairy? Again, trying to do the research of this was an absolute nightmare um, because of all the legends and lore that are compounded on top of this topic. So, uh, question from Christopher Stanton. Do you think fairies are part of the spirit realm? I've always wondered. That's a good question. So, um, again, and we'll get into some other entities as well. We're not going to stay on fairies all the time. Because this is about mythical entities, not just a mythical entity known as fairies. Um, 
So they are a part of, I guess you could say, supernatural realm. Maybe, maybe not spirits. Um, some people would say they could be elementals. They are a they are a type of entity that is very, very unlike us. Um, a lot of people say they're more in tune with nature. It's it's very hard to know exactly what they're what they are because of all the myth and legend that has surrounded them for so many years. So something like this, we're automatically thinking of terms that we um, we've assigned it in our own vernacular. So considering we had that photo of the one down there by the locks, which is right down the river, you know, the, uh, the, that lock system, we were fortunate to get in there that summer. It was a drier summer. So the water had receded from out of there, but, uh, summers after that, it was flooded, uh, in that area. So we weren't really able to get in there, uh, at all because the water was just, you know, was over the top of it. But that's along the river. The Goldenrod Showboat was right there on the river. So we would call them like, quote unquote, water sprites. You know, because that's something that we've come up with as a term as humans, but would be related to fairies, etc. So supernatural in some sort of sense. Yes. Um, as far as uh, spirits. Well, they would have their own consciousness. So are they technically a spirit or are they, would you call these like a cryptid? I suppose would be another question there. You know, perhaps they are. Um, Betty Lange, Mike, will you be looking for them on your trip next summer to Ireland and do you need a special camera to shoot them? So, well, I mean, Ireland is a place that, you know, is notorious for fairies. I think these types of entities are all over the place, which I will say they are all over the place because I've I've seen them at least in two separate locations. Um, as far as needing a special camera to shoot them, when we get into we'll get into the stuff here from the Hinsdale House uh, in a moment. Now, it those that watch that video, well, even when you watch the Hinsdale House full investigation video, because uh, we go through a lot of that the the video from yesterday just showed you know some snippets of that it was very very challenging to get them on camera um you know because you're you're seeing with your own eyes these you know bright lights and what was interesting is when they were in the air at hinsdale they were twinkling when they were on the ground they would like slowly rise up into a bright light and then slowly back down and become nothing and is very very strange and they were blue so i think the blue kind of really messed with uh us trying to capture them on camera so my infrared wasn't getting them at all um megan had a full spectrum wasn't getting them at all the only time i really got anything was turning the night vision off of my camera and just going you know with whatever light it could pick up. So it's just regular shot. And I have one clip in where it's like, you can see the pinprick of the blue light and then it's gone. So I did manage to capture it. Um, I mean, maybe with some extremely sensitive, you know, maybe a better camera than the one I had. 
Um, but I was shooting 4Ks. It's actually the camera I'm using for this right now. Um, yeah, that was a challenge. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Um, Victoria Monday, Mike, I've heard that gnomes are evil, but I've countered them on investigation. Uh, they are more pranksters than evil. What's your take? Yeah, we'll get into, well, I can pop into mo gnomes just a minute. There's still more stuff to talk about with fairies, but, um, to answer your question here with gnomes, um, I do have a gnome photograph here. There we go. There's the gnomes. So gnomes, yeah, they're generally considered to be tricksters, um, this is another one of those entities that people and that have written these books and texts and, you know, the myth and lore over the centuries have decided to say is a type of fairy. You know, I think that they are different than fairies. I think they're their own type of entity. Um, although I would say they're probably aware of each other being on a... I want to say different plane of existence. They they are an our plane of existence, but there's something special about the way in which they live and exist. I think, yeah, they're aware of each other and they interact with us, um, but obviously in a more covert way. <laughs> but yeah, gnomes are supposed to be very tricksterish. I, I know that some people try to say that you know they're they're evil and what have you, but I think. With any of these type of mythical entities, you know, people try to make almost any of them out to be evil or sinister or what have you. And I'm not even talking about, like, you want to talk about the shadow people stuff. I think with any of these, gnomes are one. Uh, leprechauns, which I'll get into here in a little bit, people will try to say leprechauns are evil. When it's more like they are also tricksters. Um you know, mythical entities such as the jinn. Um, you know, they're also considered tricksters. There are people that will consider them evil, but, you know, a lot of the stories that you hear about something like jinn, you know, they're essentially the um, the source of the idea of a genie, you know, jinn, genie. And they, a lot of stories and accounts talk about well they're doing nice things they're being good they're doing um humans favors and, and things like that granting wishes that sort of thing but then turn on the human or want you know uh you know, something greater in return that you know that they'll they'll grant the wishes and then put the human in such a precarious position that um they end up wishing they hadn't wished for those things so yeah, there's a bit of a, a trickster na uh, nature to them. They can be a little, I, I guess, in the end, if they turn on the human and become more nefarious, more sinister, that. So that, that's where that's where those type of stories come in. You know, so like a, a leprechaun, you know, turning sinister because you found the pot of gold or what, what have you. So... There's, there's interesting stories like that, and that's, to me, more of the, the myth and legend and lore than maybe what actually was experienced. So, um, Joy H., do fairies stay in specific areas, or they, can they be anywhere like other entities? So, I think they can be anywhere. Let me get a little bit more into that. 
So one of the other things, and I'll show this clip real quick. One of the things that we did witness on that uh, on that showboat were what we called the twinkles. And when I show this clip, you gotta just keep your eyes like way you know wide open because it's like boom fast. And I think this runs twice. So there's an arrow to kind of point at that twinkle. But it goes so fast, it's very hard to see. But we were seeing those a lot on the goldenrod after that event with that ball of light. So, and it was after a period of time in which the goldenrod had been completely abandoned. Now, technically, it was an abandoned boat. But there was a longer period of time because of all the legal wrangling with it where it sat dormant. And so it got us questioning, okay, did something move in here? I've seen those twinkles in other places too, you know, not just that boat. I've seen them elsewhere since then. When I get into, oh, I still had it on that photo. <laughs> uh, when we get into the experience at the Hinsdale house here, which we're going to right now, Megan Talbert, and if you watch the full video, and she's the one that's with me during this investigation, She'll, she remarks a couple times in that video, um, you know, I think they're attracted to you. Because when we investigated there... Come so on up and introduce yourself. Here's, here's the Hinsdale house. When we investigated there, we were just out in the back. There's a fire pit in the backyard. You can kind of see that in this photo. We had gone out to the woods investigated there we did see like big blue ball of light all the way in the back and let's see i do have a photo of those woods here right yeah there's the woods so back in those woods there um to the left hand side we were seeing this big blue ball of light kind of danced through the trees a little bit it it was around the same area but it didn't stay in the same spot constantly it moved around a little bit and there were times where it did a very unusual thing where it would get blurry. So we investigated back there for a while, observed this activity. Then we went down into the house and investigated the house, uh, paranormal investigation of the house. And then we decided to take a break. So we're out there in the back, just kind of chatting, stoking the fire, that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, from down out of the woods, come these little blue lights. Not that big blue ball of light that we were seeing, but these individual little lights. They were coming down the path. They were along the side. The ones that were in the tweez, tree, trees, excuse me, uh, kind of twinkled, like I said before. And then the ones that were on the ground were like, you know, they slowly rise up bright and then slowly uh, recede. And so we're observing this. I ran inside to get the camera. And during that time where I ran inside to get the equipment and ran back out, they disappeared. And, you know, Megan's like, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, I, you know, it's terrible because I can't remember exactly what her words were. But, you know, because they had gone away and, you know, I didn't have the equipment out there in time. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <clears throat> but they came back. And they came back down the path again. They were in the trees again. They were off to the side. And, you know, so Megan started saying, I think they're connected to you because of the fact that 
when I went inside, they disappeared. When I came back out, they came back. So I'm not sure if maybe they, you know, resonate with certain people more than others. Um, but I have seen, you know, my fair share of these things. So the other thing that we did was we left an offering. And a lot of people talk about leaving offerings to fairies. And so I left this on the path where we kept seeing these things. Uh, there were several right by it where I put that apple. And what was the other interesting thing about these things was that we could go really, really close to them. And it wasn't scaring them off. Um, you know, we tried to you know take a flashlight and see down, okay, is this some sort of bug? You know, it was the wrong season for fireflies or anything like that. This was late September of last year. Uh, fireflies are a summer bug. And blue fireflies particularly are a June insect. And they're mostly just around the Carolina area, uh, the Carolinas, in some areas there. Well, we're in New York in late September. So this is not... Um, a firefly or anything like that but we're still you know we want to see if it's a bug and we're shining our flashlights down you know it's like literally like right in front of us and we're looking down there it is shine the flashlight it's there's nothing there so and, and then the flight you turn the flashlight off and you know then there's the little blue light and it's like okay i don't get it so we couldn't really see exactly what it was even though we could get close you know, I already told you about the camera not you know having some issues trying to pick it up so leave an offering right near where they were at where he came out the next day and it was burrowed into and what's interesting about this so you know it's not a bite it's not like a deer kind of came up to it took a bite and then dropped it and ran off for one the apples in the exact same spot where I'd set it down um, so it certainly wasn't a deer that tried to munch on it. It does look like something burrowed into it. And as far as like in like some sort of insect or whatever, well, if you look around the apple, you can see little apple shards. And so insects wouldn't be leaving these shards of apple. You know, I mean, that's on the backside of the apple too. It's like <laughs> they were carrying it off and dropped some or whatever. Um, it just... It's bizarre. So something ate the apple, and it seemed to me the little our little blue friends um, partook in that. Again, are these fairies? They seem to be to me. Let me get to a couple of your questions here. Um, yeah, Robert Hanna, I'm curious, though, about those gnome-like beings that reside in mines called Tommyknockers. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Robert, because we have talked about this topic before, and I remember Tommyknockers came up, so I do, let me bring him up here, Tommyknockers, there we go, Tommyknockers, yes, I did bring, I, I did remember to, uh, address this one, yeah, Tommyknockers basically are gnome-like entities that reside in the mines um, so people say that they're um, that they're the equivalent of 
perhaps leprechauns or English brownies. Again, we're getting into you know, different terms. Um, uh, Germans would call them berggeisters, basically meaning a mountain ghost. Uh, Berg is mountain in German, geist is ghost. Um, so like little miners. And so I guess I'll, I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of this. Um, this is not knocking any one religion or anything like this, but um, this is a, when it comes to these guys and their origins, um, there is a religious slant on this. So the Cornish believed that uh, Tommy knockers were the souls of the Jews who crucified Christ uh, and were uh, sent by Romans to work as slaves in the tin mines. Now, that was their belief. And it was such a belief that they, you know, developed all their stories and um, it was pretty prevalent in their society for a long time. So, Again, you have all these legends and lore on top of, you know, what what was it that they originally saw? You know, they're down in these mines, they're in these caves, and, you know, they're, you know, the pickaxe is going, you know, going at whatever. What are they seeing and experiencing down there? Are there little creatures and entities within there? Well, you know, if something can buzz by me at the locks or buzz by us in the showboat or come down out of the woods behind the Hinsdale house. Why wouldn't small little creatures, entities come up to people going at it in the mines? You know, it's not a place that humans usually venture into. So if there's something else living down in there, they may become curious as to, hey, who's banging away here in our, in our home? You know, so... So something may have been observed down there in the mines, and these are the stories that people came up with to try to explain it. So, and I think that's what happens in a lot of these cases, is that something was observed, and their explanation for it over time became these myths. Um, One of the ones that I do talk about Actually, I don't know if I really do talk about it so much, but it's something not so much here that I've talked about, but elsewhere (laughs) Uh, with leprechauns. So um, leprechauns, I, I, okay. I know I briefly talked about this last time on Beyond the Shadows that I talked about this particular subject. Um, But there was more to the story. So, (laughs) my my, uh, ex-wife was half Irish. And she was short and had some other attributes about her that when... This creature, humanoid, uh, came about, the Flores Man. So in 
an island called Flores in Indonesia. Uh, back in the early 2000s, they discovered the small humanoid um, that they ended up calling the Hobbit, basically because of how you know small it was in stature. You know, it was just basically like a small human, and there were um, legends on the island about you know after these things had died out you know about who they were different physical attributes that they had but there was st- it was still ingrained into the society they knew that they existed but the stories of them became myth and legend and lore you know about these small people and they would actually talk about um I guess talk about it isn't the right term, but in any case, when they saw somebody on the island, regular human, that had some certain attributes, physical attributes, that, oh, you must be descended from, you know, this humanoid because you have these different characteristics about you. Even though they're a regular human, you know, size human and everything now, but you have these other things going on, you must be descended from them. Well, this is kind of what I think about with leprechauns, and so I would occasionally call my ex-wife a, a little leprechaun <laughs> um, because of some of her different physical attributes, and you know, one of them being you know shorter and what have you. Um, what I think happened in Ireland with the leprechauns is basically what happened with the uh, the Hobbit there in Flores was that there were smaller humanoid type people there in Ireland which eventually died out over time but within that time that they existed they did interact with regular humans but once they died out well humans still remembered them but over time their descriptions of them changed and morphed and grew into these different legends so that well humans hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later knew nothing about the original small humanoids but they had heard these other stories passed down over time that described them described some of their attributes and then of course the legend and lore lumped on top and that became the leprechaun i I have no way to prove that but when the news articles and the reports and everything came came out about the Flores humanoids that immediately clicked in my mind and it was like oh that makes sense for entities like the leprechauns that just over that amount of time the uh, more recent people had no context but they had heard stories and then they lumped on top of other types of legends that's what always made sense to me let me get some of your other questions here. Um, Robert Hanna, Hopkinsville Goblins down in Kentucky. Um, and my aunt and uncle used to live in Hopkinsville. Uh, do you think they may have been one of these creatures? Um, possibly. I don't know. Um you know, any, anything like that seems to be related, right? So if, um, like you're asking in relation to the Tommy Knockers, so Tommy Knockers are supposed to be gnome-like, 
the goblins, well, they have similar characteristics, right? So are they essentially describing the same thing or related items? Quite possibly. And lean to the fam, question, Mike. Do you know about the Russian creatures and Russian folklore? We have something interesting some interesting ones too, like Damavoy. Um, I'm not familiar with the Damavoy, so if you could, you know, maybe describe a little bit more down in the chat uh, exactly what those may be. I mean, they they uh, probably are related to something that we're talking about here. So, but I'm not quite familiar with that term. Uh, so there's also the Pukwudgies, which are out of Native American here, you know, in the United States, uh, legend and lore, uh, primarily in the eastern part of the country. So these are supposed to be small, uh, grayish type creatures, uh, again, short, uh, very mischievous. You know, you, you know, a lot of the interpretations, again, have them very, uh, you know, gnomish-like you know, kind of that short stature, and, you know, they, they shoot little arrows and darts at people, they, uh, you know, the legends go that they were once friends with uh, the humans, and then, you know, they had a falling out, and then just became these tricksters, um, so you're hearing the same terms over and over again about, you know, how they're short in height, uh, very mischievous, they're tricksterish for a lot of these types of entities, you know, very, very similar traits and attributes, whether it's, you know, a Pukwudgie or a gnome or a leprechaun. Fairies are a little bit smaller, so maybe they're a little bit different, but many, many of these uh, different types of mythical beings have the same attributes, but you get some different legends and lore, some, you know, different traits that are mixed in there, depending on where in the world that you are. So it's it almost seems like it's the same entity, but you're on a different content. There's a, di a, con a different continent. Uh, there's a different culture that's trying to describe it. And so they describe it a, a little differently and they add some myth and legend and lore on top of it. So it's similar in a number of ways when uh, we talk about shadow people and you know, we cover that topic, especially when we get into old hag syndrome, that they are essentially describing uh, the same entity, like, you know, the dark presser or witch riding and stuff like that, where it's essentially the same thing that they're describing, but different cultures over thousands of different, uh, thousands of years in all different parts of the world that had no contact with each other are all describing the same thing, but they put their own spin on it, their own little twists, their own legends and lore and descriptive details uh, that tell a little bit of a different story of the same entity. So, is this really between like gnomes, tommyknockers, puckwudgies, uh, leprechauns, these type of things, are they really describing the same being, but because their culture is different, they have a different twist or a different slant or a little bit of different backstory for these things? Um, in, in a lot of cases, that seems like what we're getting here. So, uh, you know, very interesting how over, again, over thousands of years, over thousands of miles, that these things are very similar in nature to each other, but the culture and the context 
is just a little bit different. So see if you guys had anything else here. Um, so from Alina Damavoy, our house spirit guardians. Interesting. So um, could be, could be. So a, a lot of these, um, like when we talk about the fairies, you do hear about some of them, again, mis mischievous, maybe tricksterish a little bit. Uh, some of them may just be curious. Others, um, was it uh, was it Betty, Betty Lange, um, who on the uh, the post that I made for the video yesterday, one of the posts because I made many, I uh, was talking about um, was it, uh, your father, your uncle, somebody of that nature who talked about the fairies being in the garden and helping him with the gardening. So it seems like when it has something more to do with nature that they're there to help. Now, a lot of stories about fairies being in the household, they seem to be a little more tricksterish or hiding things, but that's interesting. Um, house spirit guardian. So again, similar type of description but a little bit of a different twist and you you wonder if that has you know maybe a little bit of something to do with with the culture or the part of the world that is coming from um so all these things are very very interesting um so what else do we have here so that was the puckwudgies um i threw a couple other things down here in case you guys um had wanted to talk about them that um, we've talked about in other shows like uh, Skinwalkers, Wendigo, stuff like that, in case you guys brought it up in chat. But, um, yeah, because we had talked about that with, like, uh, uh, inter was it Interdimensional Beings or one of those uh, shows from a couple months ago where we covered a lot of that because I was getting a lot of questions. We did the, the videos on the Hunter Road Media channel regarding a number of those different types of beings that people, you know, ask a lot about. Uh, like are leprechauns based on the pixts? Um, I'm not sure. What are the pixts? P-I-C-T-S. I'm not familiar. That's from Victoria Monday. Not familiar with the pixts. So you have to uh, flesh that one out a little bit more for me there. So Quarantine Ghost saying, I don't think so, Victoria, but I gave him your question again. So... Um, Oh, because I don't think so. Did I answer? No, I hadn't answered that. Um, and I guess I didn't see it because there was a lot of back and forth regarding what happened with the technical difficulties. So uh, Ireland folks who are short in stature. Well, I, <laughs> um, I, I I can't answer that one way or another. I mean, I would say leprechauns are definitely based on people short in stature because that's their physical description, whether or not they're based on the picks, who I'm not familiar with, um, I don't know, but they're certainly based on somebody uh, short in stature. I had my theory about that with um, with the smaller humanoid type of people because I know that they were they weren't. You know, we come across this uh, humanoid figure in Florida, so it's not the only place we have uh, found smaller type humans like that. They were essentially all over the world we we lived on this planet with a large variety of other types of humanoid people some shorter in stature some some taller 
with different physical attributes, we're the ones that are still around today. Um, so for another part, like for Ireland, to have some of these much shorter type humans there and the Legend of the Leprechaun become based off of them, you know, that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, um, and that was the, the Legend of the Leprechaun became their way to explain that. So I'll have to look more into exactly who the, the picks were. So um, Robert Hanna, uh, a lot of these national parks across the United States where so many people have vanished have legends about fairies and gnomes. Do you think they may have something to do with it? Um, yes, that is a good question. And it's it's hard to address, and this is and this is why, because a lot of people also throw in Bigfoot and all that when it comes to the disappearances of of people, uh, you know, or they throw out Skinwalkers and Wendigo and, and all kinds of different types of you know legends and lore, possibly, um, or there's even the idea that they've walked into a portal. We covered that on the Alaska Triangle, you know, the, the missing disappear uh, the the many, many disappearances and the many missing people and, and all of that. Um, so could it be attributed to those sorts of things? It could. But people really do get lost in the woods too. And what happens is you hear these stories about people are walking along in the woods and this person was right beside them and all of a sudden they're just gone. So where in the world did they go? What happened to them? And so you get the gnomes, you get the Bigfoot, you get the portals, you get all those sorts of stories. Maybe so. But then you also, what people leave out of those type of stories are the ones in which somebody got lost in the woods for days and was found. And their story is that, well, you know, I saw something off to the woods and the right and I thought it was closer than it was and I just strayed off the path for a moment not saying anything to the person that they were with and they really did just get lost in that span of a minute and the person they were with didn't realize it for a couple minutes like hey where'd they go and went back and tried to find them this person that ventured off into the woods for a moment is trying to find their way back and get completely off track you know, they show up a couple of days later, finally, but but that's what happened. You know, they just, they seriously just, in the blink of an eye, strayed off the path and got lost. I mean, that, was that, did they get lost in a portal and then reemerge on the other side of the portal? You could throw that out there too. Um, but they really did get lost in the woods and showed back up. So, <laughs> it's... It's a it's a dicey area to go down. Um, but people, I mean, people really do get lost and show back up. So do some go into, you know, have these interactions with other beings out there and never come back? Could it be aliens? We could go down that route too. There's a lot of what ifs here. There really are. Um, Victoria Monday, Keebler Elves, real or fiction? Um fiction but again are elves based on something that was observed 
hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago. And I think that's really what it comes down to, are these mythical beings. Like we have the legends and the stories now. But at one point in time, were they based off of something that was real? Very well could have been. Um, where do I want to go? I was going to say a modern version of it. Like right now we have the stories with Slenderman. And that one's completely fictional. So it's not based off of anything real or substantial. I know people are saying it could be a tulpa now and all that, but its origins actually don't have a real observation associated with it. However, in a way it does, because while that has its origins in the internet and a Photoshop contest, you know, in hundreds of years from now, this thing could, you know, take its own weird route it actually does have its origins in something that is real and that is if you look at those photos and what he did with that photo contest it's the creeper in the park you know the um you know the creeper checking out the kids in the park he turned that into this dark entity with the white face and the tentacles and all that stuff. So he really did base it off of something substantial. So there is that grain of truth within there. He just immediately dumped a bunch of legend and lore and you know different visuals and, and that sort of thing on top of it. So that's kind of our own modern myth and variation of that and where it goes later down the road will be interesting to see so these are these other entities at some point i think that they were observed so okay keebler elf well i mean they're, they're trying to sell <laughs> they're trying to sell cookies but the actual representation of the elf has its own origins somewhere that have just been lost to time. So, all right. I think we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here, guys. I appreciate for those that have hung out here and are hanging in there. Really do appreciate you guys staying with us. want to thank Quarantine Ghost for haunting the chat this evening. Get to our deep down the rabbit hole Patreon patrons, Tom McNicholas, B3 Airspace, Andrew Cox, Dustin Samario, and David Yisley. Thank you all very, very much for being our deep down the rabbit hole Patreon patrons. And for the rest of you, you can check out patreon.com slash hauntedroadmedia. Um, I do post stuff up there at least weekly, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and extra footage and, and things like that. So um, yeah, some of those investigation videos and what have you, you get like you know the full clips not just what ends up on youtube extra stuff or behind the scenes with me or updates what's coming on with on road media so a lot of stuff